and a mouse keep running, running, and 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 running, running, Welcome back to the Weird Science Marvel Comics Podcast, episode 333. That is Alan Iverson, AI, and Larry Bird. If you're playing at home, two of my favorite basketball players. But we're not here to talk about basketball or practice. We're here to talk about comics. But before we get into a bunch of books, and I'll be joined by Clay and Brandone. But before that, go over to Twitter and follow us at WS Marvel Comics. If you follow us, We'll follow you back. That's how it works around here with our 100% follow-back policy. Also, go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash weirdscience, where you can support us for all the things that we do here on the regular feed, but get a ton, ton, ton more of books. One of the things that I always mention is the weekly spotlight. Over on the Patreon, we have an exclusive spotlight show where we do two books from that week's books, that are picked by the badasses of the Get Fresh crew, beep boop, in a poll that goes up on the uh, earlier in the week. I don't know why you need to know when the poll goes up, but that's when it goes up. It goes up early on the week. They pick two books that they want us to talk about on the Patreon. And this week they picked Amazing Fantasy number two and also Dark Hawk number one, a book that I was really looking forward to because of it being a Kyle Higgins book. I am a big fan. Now, that's the badass level. That's the upper level. You don't have to be a badass to go over to the Patreon. And really, you don't even have to be on the Patreon to be part of the Get Fresh crew. Beep, boop. You end up being part of that by just listening right now. So whether you know it or not, you are now all members of the Get Fresh crew. Tell me, beep, boop, right? Yes. But the badasses, they, they're, they're kind of special. They get to pick everything that we talk about, even things that are only on Patreon. They get polls where they pick you know, from a bunch of things for each show that we do. But because of that, because they are so special, go and give them a little shout out. Here is the badass roll call. Uh, uh, I, I should do my rapping. My name is Jim and I'm here to say <laughs> I, I am old school in my rap style. That's East Coast. So if you're West Coast, we could start warring right now, right? You, you could do your raps at me. Here are the badasses. Jay Jennings, Ted Probst. I love Punchline. Michael S. Boris Pauly, Cam, Joseph Wojcik, Matt Razor, D-Man 3000, All New Dave, Lady Abby, Red, Matches Ballone, Niels Tewart, David Fink, Joey Bercasco, Stephen Baum, he plays hockey, he does, Tony Walton, Jason, Kobe Sue 42 to you and me, Michael G., Ken Halleck, Comic Boom, Araki, Cellar Dweller, Mark Jaeger, Aldrin Stoja, Nick Adams, Bill Abir, Ruben, Carlos, Lone Wolf Marv, Luke, Hollywood, Simon, Luis, Manship, Andrew Belfast, Swanee, Anthony G, Josh Vermillion, Dalton Edom, my man Pete from NYC, Sailor Moon, Mark, everybody's man Rob Lewis, Brandy Murray, who we're going to talk to later, and Double A-Ron. Double A, where is Double A-Ron? I always ask at the end here. He's in Minnesota. Just to let you know if you want to seek him out. Also, shout out to the all-time great Reggie. And yeah. So those are all the people that you can blame when you're like, I wanted to hear Amazing Fantasy number two. Well, you can blame them, but you can also go and check it out over at the Patreon. And you'll get a ton of shows for each level that you go on one thing 
kind of important, but to tell everybody right now, next week's shows, both the regular show that you're listening to now and the Star Wars show will be Patreon exclusive. It is an annuals week, fifth week of the month. So every time that comes up, it only comes up a couple times a year. And I know I always get crap for this, but that show and both shows, the Star Wars and the regular, they will be patreon exclusive i'll probably have another type of show up during the week kind of like a little extra bonus show short thing or whatever maybe a secret origins or something just to remind everybody about the regular shows being on the patreon but yeah if you want to sign up i'll give you a little hint and again if you are listening to a lot of podcasts and they mention stuff and oh we have a patreon all that you know you're probably like i've heard this mumbo jumbo all the time i don't know how many people would give this hint but just wait till the first of September. At at this moment, there's only a couple days left in the month. Just wait. Just wait until the first. You get the sign up then. You won't be charged right away. We don't do that right away. You will end up having the whole of September as a free trial. You can listen to every show to your heart, every show that we have. We have almost 2,000 shows already on the page. You, you're bound to find something. But you'll also be able to listen to the Patreon weekly exclusive spotlight, stuff like that, all through September for free. And then at the end of September, before the clock rolls over to October 1st, if you don't like what you hear, you're like, well, I just wanted to check it out, whatever. You quit then. You quit, you'll never be charged. It's a free trial. Again, I know I listen to other podcasts. They're not going to tell you this stuff because they want the moolah. I just like to give people, you know, bang for their buck. Check it out first. Do that. So, yeah, do that. You know, wink, wink. Nudge, nudge, I won't tell anybody. And and really, it's Eric over on the... We won't tell him. (laughs) But just check it out. Check it out. That's all I ask. I think that there's a lot that there is there for you to check out and like. So with that, though, we're going to go up, talk some books. And we're going to start with me and Clay. And as me and Clay always talk about Amazing Spider-Man, where we have Nick Spencer's run coming to an end. And is it coming to an end in a way that we kind of can see with the crystal ball that things look good like yeah we're gonna get everything i don't know it doesn't look like that does it but we'll go off now to amazing spider-man all right we're gonna start out with me and clay talking amazing spider-man number 72 what up clay what's up what's up not much i my feet hurt that's that's what's up i i don't know that anybody would know on this podcast are you uh i am flat-footed i mean like completely flat-footed and I, uh, I've been wearing these stupid Crocs. <laughs> I don't even know why. It's because I'm lazy that I can put them on. <laughs> and uh, usually I, I only wear them around the house. And actually down here in the Black Mold Studios, I have to because if I don't, I'll probably catch a disease. So I ended up putting them on almost like slippers. Well, today I ended up not even realizing and went out and played basketball. This is the second time I've done this. Every time I hurt my feet because my feet just it, it's just like me with a, a block of wood slapping on the, you know asphalt. It hurts, and it, it is getting to me right now. And, uh, you know, maybe that will skew my I have, score, right? I have ankle problems. I think when I was a freshman in high school, I I broke my ankle. You broke your ankle. You said that. You yeah, told yeah. Me on the and, podcast, and yeah. then I, uh, I never really let it heal properly. And so it hurts every so once in a while, especially, like, if I have, like, a long day at work. But because of it, I never like wearing shoes with laces. I always find something, whether it be Velcro or just slip on. My wife hates it. She yeah, calls it yep, the pump. <laughs> one of those? That'd be yes. awesome. Oh, That'd be the best. I haven't seen the pump in uh, years. The pump would be awesome. But your wife uh, makes fun of you. Oh, yeah. She, she calls them my grandpa shoes. And I don't like that. 
Yeah, my big thing is I, I end up getting shit because, because my feet. It's funny because one of the biggest things when you have flat feet that people don't realize is that because your foot is so flat, it actually is very wide as well. So you have to get shoes that are wider, and the Crocs fit that deal. So I'm like, okay, right? But then there's no support, and it's just it kills me. It's funny because even when I was young, when I'd play a lot of sports, especially like a basketball or something like that, you would just hear just me running around because because my feet just smack onto the ground, whatever. But the best way for me is to go barefoot, but you're not allowed to do that, everyone. So there I am. I'm, I'm in a, a bad mood. Maybe it's because of these books. Maybe it's because of my flat feet and my stupid choice of Crocs, which my wife got for me, and I, I yelled at her because I said I'm not wearing those, and then I wear them every day because they're easy. And just slip them on. But we're here to talk, like I said, Amazing Spider-Man number 72. And we're getting close to the end of Nick Spencer's run. As it gets closer and closer, me and you are seeing, I was reading some tweets to you, realizing that people are not upset. This is not quite when Tom King was kicked off of Batman over at DC. Where, again, you had some people rejoicing, but at least you had, (laughs) I don't see anybody upset about Nick Spencer leaving this book. And I see them now being infuriated as we get near the end. We try well, to be positive, I, right? We have been as positive as we could possibly be, especially with like how strenuous this last few issues have been with the tie-ins with Sinister War. But I messaged you because, of course, you, you did on the news podcast and you know everybody was freaking out about Substack. I didn't know that the whole reason why Substack is starting to get – comic book people is because they hired nick spencer to make that little corner of substack yeah yeah and i don't get it either because every book he seems to go on he loses (laughs) brandon actually said to me last night hey nick spencer off that spider-man yet and i said no no he has a couple issues he goes i guess i have a couple issues till i start reading again (laughs) i'm like all right that was his deal i mean I don't – the problem with this and the problem we're going to have by the end of this issue is not the same problem. People I see losing their minds about this almost as if Nick Spencer is going to burn down the house as he leaves. And and this happens a lot. Uh, one of the funniest things is a uh, Keith Giffen. He was on a bunch of books, New 52 and on at DC. The thing is, though, he used – creations he did in the books because by the end he would kill everyone so nobody could use them again it was weird this isn't nick spencer's real playground here it's everybody's the next but he seemingly is just like i'm just gonna change everything i'm because all of a sudden this idea of everything we thought one more day okay let's get this everybody's excited we're gonna get the marriage back we're gonna get a kid and in this issue suddenly it's like boom no by the way there was another deal with mephisto this guy is making more deals than anybody in the history of the world or the underworld, if you want to make a joke. I mean, is that just, does it make your eyes roll when you get like a deal on a deal on a deal with Mephisto? This is as bad as like, even again, I always bring up DC, I apologize, but it's it's just as bad as having issue after issue of Batman fighting a big villain and finding out it's Clayface every time. It's always a dupe. It's always something else. I don't know. I, I didn't hate this issue when I was done, but I'm not as long a reader as some that would get upset about a retro deal, you know, trying to do something retconning 
the evilness of Norman, how he was able to rise. You know, that's one thing. What I'm mad about is I just want to know what the hell is going on with Kindred. And when I get through this, my head was spinning. Like, I was like the exorcist. It was just spinning around. I'm spitting out pea soup. This, I, I had no this idea. This issue reminded me of the very first time we saw the reveal of Kindred, or so who we thought was Kindred. I, I remember how we were like, is that Norman? I'm saying, are you is saying that, that you're bringing that up again? We thought it was Norman because of the, <laughs> the way it was drawn. Wolf Cypher's That's exactly there. You, how, it's how yelling. I feel with this issue. I'm going to ask him. I, I should ask him if he read it. I didn't even think about it because eh, right now he's like, no, no, you guys were dummies. But in this one, you start to get these comments. And really, this issue is very quick. You end up having Peter still fighting Doc Ock and everybody. They're all attacking him. And he's talking about, you know, trying to survive, getting teams, getting relationships, making choices. Again, anytime we're going to get something with Peter saying, you know, I always thought of family. I always did this and that and the other thing. You still, I still want to think that we're going to get this one more day taken away and you're going to get the, the marriage and stuff. We're getting more and more away from that. Like that doesn't even seem like that's even on the board. And you then go to Norman back in the day, years ago, flashback where he was being outdone. The last straw, Mendel Strom is getting all of the applause for something both of them did. And you end up where through the time and that played out really great in my mind, the idea where yeah, and some man keeps approaching him, a guy there, whatever. And it's all Mephisto. And he's always like, hey, by the way, I want to, you know, get you under my wing. We we could do this. You'll get all the claims. You just have to make me a promise, you know, make me. A and then we see that even later when you end up having Norman of the now he has the keys going off. And seemingly, I guess that is the sins coming back. Remember, the sins went out. I don't know. It's It's craziness going on here. But he ends up going in and, and going and finally running into Mephisto where it is revealed. But even then, he's, you see, hey, he was going to make deals later. Mephisto kept popping up trying to convince him. And then finally it was. You'll be able to win out with anything you want. All, you even see Strom getting taken away. All of this stuff that happened. But now it's through the lens of making a deal with Mephisto. And, you know, now we're playing off the idea of, like, I don't know whose deal sticks more, the one more day or this or they're both, whatever. And that's that. But when we do the kindred stuff, you have Mary Jane with you said it last issue. Like, how many kindreds do we have now? They're all over the (laughs) damn place. The one is with Mary Jane. And he starts saying, like, oh, you know, we have some twists. Everything is this wink, wink, down the lane, nudge, nudge. It's never a full out hey this is what's going on it's getting annoying by this point we know that something has to be told by the end because it's almost over but that doesn't mean that i'm gonna like the same crap that we've been getting from kindred for now 80 you know whatever even with tie-ins you know probably over 80 issues even with this only being 72 and so you know i, I just what's going on you know what i mean and i just get frustrated and yeah, we'll go, and I'll let you take this from when you have Norman and Carly Cooper, where they're trying to get out. Remember, they just walked out of the cell. That Again, infuriated it, you before. It, it infuriates me, but it it almost infuriates me more that they like they just walk out of the cell. It's very incon- it's very convenient for them for the cell to be open, and then all of a sudden, oh, there's a crack in the wall. Let's bust that open. Oh, we're in the morgue. Like, it's just very convenient writing right now. And it's very, like, there's no reason, there's there's no, like, 
what's the words I'm looking for? Like, this is how frustrated I am at the whole situation at the fact that like, after like just a few steps and, Oh, we're here. Oh, yeah. we're here. Well, Even that, that morgue is part. Uh, that's not part of where they were. So that something's going on. Y- you end up having kindred. This must be a, you know, we, me and you did the amazing fantasy on the deal. They must be in this mindscape, like Freddy Krueger type deal in a, a dreamscape. I don't know. Because Again, they end up going to the New York still, City morgue now. And then you're still confused whether this Harry is actually Kendrick Harry or, or not. Kendrick or not. And just to point out, you know, he is there at the morgue where the oh, all the bodies are gone. Carly where realizes his oh my body God, should be. That's where and that's what it seems. He is so Kendrick's with Mary Jane. Harry goes to look at his body that's dead. Everything's twisted around. Then you have that Kendrick with Mary Jane, you know, pretty much saying, you know. You know, which one of us did you try to save? And there's all this. I'm telling you, I tried to start to make hide or hair of it. But again, we are coming into this and we it's not an apology or anything, but we're telling people I don't want to fake the funk and pretend or whatnot. We haven't read Spider-Man for 50 years. So a lot of the things are stuff that I've looked up or whatever. So once you start seeing, well, you, you even see a spread page. There's the Harry who, you know, did the drugs. There's the Harry, the goblin where Peter killed. All these things going on. And I'm trying to make like, okay, what is the thread between them? Like, when did that one die? That one came back. Could it be that this is a multiple thing where in a weird way, the way I thought of it was, you know, because really Mephisto says to Norman, you really like your son paid off. I mean, this this was the best deal because he wants his soul. Now, are they playing with the idea that each time that Norman like characters come back from the dead and all that all the time? Is it that you then have a new soul and he collects it again? And every time like really is the idea that no matter what happened throughout the deal, Harry is doomed no matter what because of what Norman did. That's fine, but that's not the story. First off, this is the amazing Spider-Man. It's not the amazing Norman. And so when you get this thing at the end, if it, if Kindred all along, you know, is Harry but one of the six and, and he's mad and he goes down and then we just end up with Spider-Man, you know, oh, well, what's going on? Now, with that, we know from solicits and things that Spidey's going away for a little bit. We don't know how or what that means. I don't know that it just ends up where at the end, we do find out it's one, like, Harry's soul is doomed. It's going to keep repeating because of this, you know, this promise, this deal that Norman made, not really realizing that death doesn't stop it. So each time, and that Peter just says, listen, the only way that this can break it, take my soul. And and, and Peter goes away for a while in hell. I don't know, because my head was spinning about the whole deal. And, like, at this point, I'm done guessing. What, what are we guessing? Like, if I said to you, hey, I want you to tell me who you think Kindred is. I mean, my guess is it's still Harry or it's a Norman from before. I don't well, know. Because the, the last lines here is, gotcha. I'm not who you think I am, yeah. at least not entirely. We <laughs> are who we are, but we are not always who we say we are. Like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> Nick know. Spencer. I just mean, that's just it. lay it down to us. And he yeah. says, it's time for you to learn the truth no matter the cost. So I was reminded of a storyline that I don't think is canon anymore, but if they're playing around with timelines and like different reboots, whatever, with this whole thing with Norman and Harry's uh, deal with Mephisto, I think it could play into effect. This is an out there theory that I don't even know you know Mm -hmm. about. Mm -hmm. There was a timeline where... 
the whole reason that Norman killed uh, Gwyn was the fact that she was pregnant with his yeah, unborn. Yeah. Oh, that's the worst. That's yeah. the worst story ever. Yeah. yeah, and that's because they showed that, you know, when all that was said and done, Norman was going around and they, they were a couple. That actually, just as a, a deal, that was one of the main reasons. Eric has quit Marvel Comics a bunch of times. <laughs> one was that he they didn't send him the, the issue where Colossus gets killed. And he, was so, and he thinks that the mailman stole it. But he thinks he blames Marvel. But the other thing was that uh, that uh, sins of the past. Uh, I I believe uh, that story. So and, uh, yeah, he, he theory, had enough. Then him out there theory. It's one of Gwen's children. Children, maybe. I I mean, if you're gonna go, it could be Peter and Mary Jane's kid from that. You know the the you know one more day or oh again, yeah, that's true. It could even be Peter from that. The Peter who, but none of that makes sense especially because we've been led 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 then oh it's harry and then seeming like yeah we're gonna switch it around whatever i like it's like it's me harry like wait you told me it weren't what i expected oh you expected me sorry i I don't know (laughs) but it pulls off and it's like a two-face peter and harry together he's like a monstrosity Uh, or mary jane just sees the waves of the hair to be like wait are you norman yeah really oh you're oh it's you harry he's like no it's norman what are you an idiot he's like only two people ever got it right (laughs) here's the deal i'm telling you right now if it's norman we were right all along and i will never stop crawling about it i will tell everyone that we we called it way back then and we'll cypher can stick it he's gonna have to bow to us but I don't know. And this is the thing, though. This is now issue 72. We we had this nonsense 20 issues ago, and we were told it was Harry. So you're just playing the game again. And, hey, we'll see who it is. I don't know that anything – like, when I sit here and think about the idea that, okay, revealed Kindred is Harry, and then all sad sack. Harry, you got to figure out what happened. Please, you have to fix it. You two, my dad, Norman, and you, Peter, my best friend, you mess things up. Now, he did say that, and we took it as the one more day. Now, with this, he said Norman, too, which was weird because Norman really, you know, he's involved with everything. But now that adds enough. Is it just going to be a combo? But with that, we never explored that. That's what I wanted. So to come back here and say, hey, look at me, the truth revealed. I I don't know that anything is going to be satisfying because it took so long and we we got a dupe already with it. I just I don't know. Again, with the idea of Mephisto making a deal with Norman for Norman to be able to take care of all his enemies, people are saying that lessens Norman, lessens Green Goblin because he didn't really do the work. It was always predestined to do that. But you have to go with the fact too, though, that he did have to sacrifice Harry. And at points, you know, he's obsessed and things like that. But that. In in a in a deal right now where he does seem to care about it, it, it is a big reveal. Just people just don't like it. They they actually you know it's like the hail mary, burn everything down by Nick Spencer. But I, I don't know. I don't even know if we really talked about the issue. I'm confused now because it, not much happens. It's it's very quick, and you get these like just scenes and stuff, and and basically, and Mephisto deal with Norman. And now Kindred may not be Harry, maybe somebody else. I, just at the end, and we get no Spider-Man, really, except at the beginning, where he's kind of like, oh, my God, I'm still fighting. 
and fights. What was me? You know, everybody needs somebody to have his family and things like that. So, well, I mean, I think that's the only good part of this issue. And I'm not knocking the whole, you know, fact that we may be getting an actual like conclusion to the kindred story. But for the fact that like my biggest complaint was for the fact that this was has been a giant fight for like yeah, yeah, issues. Yeah, yeah, do more than that. You're right. Now we are able to have a little bit of a breather here. I know the very next issue we're getting is the Sinister War part, what, four or five? I think it's four. So we're probably going to go back to the fighting again. So at least I'm able to breathe here, which I'm okay with. The only thing is how confusing Nick Spencer is attempting to make this to eventually make this reveal. And I really hope it's worth it. Otherwise it's really like it, it, it's just confusing to be confusing. Yep. And yeah, I'm looking at the one the one page where it is the progression of Harry becoming Green Goblin and then even at the end and then kind of going back to being friends and stuff like that and really pushing that whole deal. But I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. It'd be funny. It's like, look, I'm and he pull. it's Mephisto. It's just Mephisto. <laughs> I want to make a deal. A money haul here. Let's do it. But at the end, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm down on it. A lot of people are real down on it. I like the art. I, I get excited. I don't get excited at the end. I did roll my eyes and get mad with, I mean, you said the lines. It was basically like, you want to know who I am? Well, I'm not going to tell you, but I'm kind of somebody you don't think it is. You want to know? No, you, we're not going to get like, it's, it's such a tease that it, it infuriates me, but I'm excited and a little bit of just like, it's almost like you're, you have to drive, you know, you're going to Wally World. You're driving across the whole damn country. You're irritated so much with this drive, but we're actually getting to the end. And I, I can see the amusement park in the distance. We're almost there. It doesn't make the drive up to that any better. It sucks. <laughs> I mean, our, our grandmother died and we strapped her on top of the car. We're, we're oh, going. Jesus. And I'm there, there's Wally World. We're going to go there. And, and then the problem is with that, and you get to the amusement park and then it's closed. You'll freak out. And if that's how this reveal is, where it's a nothingness, I will be I'll be furious. I mean, we really tried to give this you know, run and Nick Spencer way more of a benefit of the doubt than a lot of people. And I think that when we came into it, we had the benefit of not being these long lifetime Spider-Man fans. So, you know, this is one of the bigger runs that I've read. So I'm reading it. I'm trying to get into it. I'm digging but I, I can't lie that it was and say it was great. But some of the stuff that we like, some people didn't. But now it's like everybody's starting to get together at the end here. And we're like, yeah, you, you got to tie some things up here. And, and now you're giving us more things. And we only have a couple issues left. So we'll see how it works out. But I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. A 7 out of 10. I could go to 6.5. I'm going to scroll it. I'm going to go to a 6.5 until I I'm... see till I see the reveal and stuff. Maybe if you remind me when we see it. And it's a good one. I'll say that this then becomes a seven. But it's it's a like Eric will say a lot of times. It's it's kind of a nothing burger here until we get what we you know. And, go and with. It, it's true. You know, we like we like we said it, for for people who I understand that there's a sentiment out there that if you don't show, you know, a, the character, the main title character for an X amount of times in the book, then it's not really supposed to be that character's book, right? I understand that sentiment, but like I had said, if you're reading this in trade, you're getting a lot of Spider-Man, a lot. Now, a lot and of people were complaining you don't get a lot of Peter Parker, 
And I don't know. I, I guess that's again because we're kind of newer, you know, not new, new, but newer. Like I didn't mind that as much. Uh, yeah, but, no, I. It, it's almost like the. It's almost like the Batman, the Bat at DC. You you don't really see Bruce Wayne, and yeah. I know people complain Listen about that. I but, don't really like to see Bruce Wayne too much. He's he's kind of a jerk. But in all you, honestly, when when thinking about superheroes, the only person and i made this i know we're going way off on a tangent here but green arrow is really the only character that you see the alter ego a little bit more than usual is, is oliver queen but it's here nor neither it's nor here or there with this i need a breather that's what i said was good about the issue but it's very conflicting with how much nonsense there is with Oh, maybe I'm this person. Maybe you can guess this person. Oh, is Harry going to see his own dead body here? And it's just like, this legitimately feels like a soap opera. It does. It does. And and I don't necessarily need that right now. I, I'd like to think of it as old time, too, because every time somebody says this, dun, dun, with the organ, that <laughs> ominous organ, you don't know who I am. And then out of nowhere, it's like, oh, no. John is here. He's my real husband. I wish I had that sound effect. It'd be awesome. Uh, but oh. I agree. It's like, and, and again, then it makes, if you're saying that, in my mind, it also makes some of the villainy kind of the, you know, mustache twirling stuff that gets ridiculous. I mean, the idea that Kindred is just there showing Mary Jane, you know, past things as if they're films to tie in with her deal. I think that Kindred's like, I'm going to show Mary Jane these things, but I know that she'll only pay attention if it's movie-based, and we'll do that. And then ends up seeing it, but by the end, it does seem like he's, you know, you'll never guess who I am. And I just like, really? Just show me. Just show me, jerk. I get so yeah. mad. Uh, but I agree. I think that you're right, that we needed something more than just a slugfest, because that's all we were getting. And he ended up having too many teams, and they're like, there's too much stuff really in these this last deal the sinister war and stuff to really get anything done so you have to step away from that you, you had to to get this stuff with norman again though people are losing their minds we're not losing our minds at least but what is your score i'm gonna go with the six five also uh this i don't know if it was necessarily a change in art but it did seem a little bit different than what we had been getting um, a little anime-esque in the very beginning with, with the whole Spider-Man fight. Uh, but, I mean, like I said, it's it's confusing to be confusing, and I'm, I'm not getting any answers. I'm just getting more questions, and I don't need any more questions. <laughs> no, I, I don't either. That That's what's weird. You, you're almost done, and you got to wrap the, things up. And, and we should have known by now. And, and the idea, that, the weirdest thing, and this is like just out of the blue, whatever, if the reveal's awesome, like, does it matter? Because it's over. Like, why didn't you, if, if you had this awesome story, like we thought the everybody did one more day going on. Like, why not do that at 50? And then you have all that other time to progress that and, and, and develop that and show it and see the, but if we see like, just at, even if it is, and everybody wants, you know, Peter, Mary Jane, Mary, all that stuff going on. If it's like a, you know, snap, like a Thanos snap, boom. And you see Peter there and Mary Jane and they are married. They have their kid. Like, then it's over. And we're going off to Ben. Ru like, why? why? Why do something like this and really take it to the very end to reveal what 
you should, which should be your huge thing for this run, and it just wasted too much time, I guess, and, and whatnot. But we've talked about that before. It just gets me. Like, if it is still, we're, I hope it's the end of one more day and we're going to get that, but what are we going to get? Because it's over. And then we, maybe that's it. Maybe the idea that we think that he's going to die or whatever, maybe he's just like, screw this crap. I'm moving to Kansas. And me and Mary Jane and our kid are going to have a good old time. We're going to have a life. You, you take over, Ben Riley. I'm out of here. Maybe it will be. I don't know. We'll see. But with that, tell everybody where they can find you. Of course, you can find me at Fanboy Clay on Twitter. Go check out the bio there. It has the link tree with all of the links to all of my shows, that including DC Alliance, Batman News Weekly, Comic Book Legion Podcast, Weird Science Marvel oh, Podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was supposed to be a ding. <laughs> Weird Science we DC Podcast. You messed me up, Jim. I did. <laughs> Weird Science Manga Podcast and the Ranger Alliance. The best is I, I could easily edit that out, but now it would be really odd to, so I'm going to keep that in. <laughs> that was the back issues theme, and I thought it said ding sound. I, I can't see. I'm losing it. I'm completely <laughs> losing it. I'm going to go eat dinner now. We're we're having Robins for dinner. I'm going to go eat I, those. I think my wife just got here with Bush's chicken. So Really? So that's yes. awesome. So both of us are going to eat. So thank you for joining me, Clay. And I'm going to go off to talk uh, a little Extreme Carnage with Brandon. There's a Brandon sighting. He's there. Though uh, During it, I don't know how it's going to play out. During the recording of this, Brandon completely is you know chasing his cat around the room it's very odd recording but we'll see we'll see how the editing magic goes but we're going to go off to me and brandon talking extreme carnage i got a line it was sunday night wrote up my notes to get the feeling right Brandon that messaged me He's drinking at his friends But that was at quarter to three And that's about the time The trick passed out on me He lives in Buffalo I couldn't I see I guess it's just me On the weekend show Way up there in Buffalo It's just another Sunday night Brandon's drunk again Brandon's drunk again Brandon is drunk again. Here we are, me and you. To it is almost talk. that time of year. That is true. You know, the the leaves fall and Brandon's inhibitions do as well. As he gets yes. drunk, what you're talking about are the bills. How are the bills doing? Yes. Uh, how are they doing in the uh, preseason here? Two are they oh, I okay? Think are they, they doing okay? The Bears last week. Um, yeah. Yeah. Eagles are doing okay. They, they, they haven't have played surprises. anybody. I, they yeah. literally haven't played Josh. Yeah, that's Stephon, the problem. None yeah. of them have played yet. I think we got a home game uh, Saturday. Uh, and they're going to play a couple play series. Maybe, maybe like a series or two. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're just going to wait till the season. Yeah. Well, I mean, they did well last year, so there's no reason the Eagles have to figure out some things. So, uh, but they, I don't know. They, they, the uh, and, NFC they gonna, East they stinks. Roll so. out there? Yeah, that's what it seems. Even though Flacco's actually doing good when he comes in afterwards, but still, they're just they gonna go with that you know, they, have a, they have a really good uh, offense and defensive line, though, so that might carry them some parts. But we're here not to talk football. We're here to talk extreme carnage, and yes. this is issue five of eight. 
And I don't know. Does this just seem like they're gathering up the team that that's all this is about? Because we only yeah, have a couple I, issues left, right? Felt like this one and the last one maybe could have even been combined into one issue. Yeah, yeah. And and with that, we're going to end with this one to have another. Hey, look what's coming up. And so overall, though, it does look like at least something that we kind of like and wanted. You're getting more Andy. And yeah. you're getting a change in the Scream symbiote to now be the Silence symbiote. Now, it's kind of a funny deal where the Silence goes even as far as not being part of the hive mind, which it's funny because in my mind, when you're a symbiote, especially in the Life Foundation connected with the Carnage, Andy seems to think like this is the worst thing ever. Oh my yeah. God! I'm not not no no that can't that's, find that's, Freddy Krueger whenever that's I want. That's a gift. Like, and that's yeah. the best is I. Somebody needs to go, Andy. Uh, he can't find you either. I, you know, yeah. that's what you need. And she and, needs to sit down with Eric one day, and he needs to just run down all the Nightmare on Elm Streets for yeah, him. Why this is a good that. thing? Why this? Yes. It, to me, it seems like it, it's a good thing that she'll be able to use that, especially as they're planning on going off to Washington D.C. and taking him on. It seems like there's a twist to that, though, right? We'll see. I don't know. I, I mean, I'm telling you, at the end, you end up having things going on, but it seems like you know they can't really get a hold of her or she can't get a hold of them but that's uh, never that sets her free that's gonna say this book could have used a few more words too often but i think this book could have used there there were a couple parts that are a little fuzzy that yeah, i'm not yeah. real clear there on what happened could have used a few more words I'm and saying. this is extreme carnage riot number one it's written by Alyssa wong Art by Fran Gallon, colors by Jim Campbell and VCs Arnie Mayer on letters. The Carnage symbiote's back alive in the symbiote hive mind. The sadistic serial killer has begun psychically reaching out to its siblings, the Life Foundation symbiotes. After any bet used her hellfire to destroy the Scream symbiote, Carnage turned his corrupting influence upon Phage and Lasher. Meanwhile, Flash Thompson, agent anti-venom, has been trying to put the pieces together to figure out Carnage's plan. Phage attacked Andy and Flash, leaving Andy mortally wounded to save her life. Andy was bonded to a new symbiote born from the dying remnants of Scream and a sample of the anti-venom serum. And again, that silence is pretty much a anti-venom scream. I mean, that's yeah. pretty much what it is. The bonding a, a saved her life. A little bit of lab assistance yeah, along with yeah, that. Yeah, Both uh, Andy and the new symbiote have been remade. Taking the name Silence, they have their allies have set their sights on Carnage and his family though his designs are further reaching and more ambitious than any of them know. Now, with this, you have said the last time we talked about one of these, that you're kind of symbioted out. I'm with you. I like to see Andy doing something, and I'm excited about Flash. But by this point, in issue five of eight, I really, really don't care much about the senator. I, I know the idea that it's carnage and whatnot, you exactly. know, is okay. That's all but I need to know, really. I get the gist of what I he's need. About. Carnage is what I need. If this is extreme carnage, I need more of, you know, carnage out and about, not carnage of the hive mind of the mind, going around and grabbing, you know, the Life Foundation symbiotes, which we get again in this because, again, it is riot, and we start off there with that guy who is Flash's friend. And I wish that was spelled out a little more, but that is the guy who Flash knows that they were loading up stuff. And hey, you can get a you know a job with the senator, so that's their inside man. But we really don't know a lot about him either. They they have and they haven't brought him up in what three? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's it's odd. Now with that, you see him quick, so that when they have a plan, the plan is I got a guy on the inside. Andy says that's not much of a plan anyway, but 
With all that, you see that he's acting weird and the idea. He doesn't blink. He doesn't breathe. I know. We kind of got the idea already that he's carnage. And he's sending out with Speaking his to Bernie's here. Yeah, and it's this humanity first deal is, you know, pro humanity play, all that on fundraisers. A lot of people are joining in. But we go to Chicago earlier where we do end up seeing Riot heading, you know, on the bus. And then we go back to New York City to Alchemex, where we do get the silence deal with Andy. You get flashing that the art of points was good in this, and then it gets wonkier. Point. I was gonna say I I go back and forth between like the there's a couple splash pages in here that are incredible, and then we get to some panels where I don't know Flash in particular looks very square faced. Square. And he looks like a puppet. I thought he <laughs> was like does. a marionette. I'm telling you, when you go like right back and you're Alchemex New York City, and you Andy, you're like, look at those two. It's they such they a look panel, like marionettes. Like scream, uh, scream! Silence looks fantastic there, and then you you go over to to Ed, Eddie, uh, Flash, and the the scientist here, and they they just look strange. Even strange look at be. where you know he's like, "Hey, I need to know is she all right?" He wants to know, "Hey, is Andy under there? Is she okay?" Because the last thing Flash had seen, you know, she was bleeding. She had yeah. a hole in her and stuff. So when the symbiote backs away. Off of Andy's head Even then I'm like Look at this She looks like a puppet But then the next pen She's okay then And even mm-hmm. with the big panel Of Flash hugging Andy looks great So yeah, there's this weird deal And with it When the art is good Even like the beginning When you have the guy there With the center That would be art That would really fit well With say a Spider-Man Or something yeah. like that Which I this thought This strikes but- me as one of those books Where there was definitely uh, drawn out of order and the, the maybe, bigger yeah. pages and the bigger maybe yeah, you, characters you spend some time on that got some time and the rest kind of got the rush job yeah yeah so with that it is you know flash saying hey andy i want to see if andy's okay now with that when she ends up getting you know not the silence head it's andy's head i don't know why but suddenly i'm like yeah that, that outfit just looks like you bled all over it it looks really really over Looks the like top you're still bloody. bleeding from yeah, the that's I'm like, it does not look good. But <laughs> when you have the full silence deal, it looks different. It doesn't look as bad as that. But it's it's okay. It's the hair because the yeah. hair has the red in it. It goes with but it. But with all of that, you know, they're like, okay, Andy's okay. We have a plan. They go off to talk in the coffee shop, which legitimately looks like the coffee shop that got attacked. At the end the of symbiote coffee the, shop. Yeah, the symbiote coffee shop Where I yeah. don't know that they would want him there they're But back in business Again they're back in business and, <laughs> and I don't even know where there All of a sudden Flash to me Suddenly looks like A Eddie that's doing meth Like you get Eddie Brock looking Flash Who's doing The art is all over the place But yeah, overall the real Horror-looking art does look really good, but the play here is: what's the plan? Hey, uh, you know, I have this guy on the inside, and I'm, we're going to get info. And she's like, "What? Then you're going to get some magic carnage bullet?" He the goes, plan "No, that's is, you. Trust me. Yeah, yeah the, the plan is: I'm going to send you into the worst place you. possible, <laughs> into the void, to take down carnage, take him, you know, fight in the street here because Andy has been able to do stuff." She ended up where he says, I saw you fighting, you know, last issue. And boy, you you really were pretty hard at, you know, you really could do the job. So we're going to do that while you're doing that. She pulled a born identity. She doesn't believe in herself yet. 
Yeah, she has to then look at her hands afterwards. Yeah. So how did I learn to shoot that gun? <laughs> so with that, you end up where she's like, no way, I'm not going to the void. I can't do it. He's like, no, no, no. I saw what you could do. This would be great. In the meantime, you do end up having Riot being talked to. Hey, look, it's Carnage. And, you know, it looks okay. Well, Carnage pulls the in the mind trick at first. Yeah. yeah, which he seems to be doing all the time and wants to end up getting a host, get Riot. All that going on. And by the end, you do find that. But really, we've seen this scene over and over. We've seen yeah. the idea, and it's not as it's cool. It's five anymore. times now. Yeah. yeah, it's not as cool, right? And he no. goes into. Well, the- you just know how it's going to end. You know what? The, the only interesting time that scene played out was the symbiote that didn't want anything to do with Carnage at first. I, for, I forget. I forget if it was Lasher, maybe. Lasher. Yeah, yeah, I think it, it was Lasher, maybe. With the old guy, and hey, I don't want to go, yeah. all that. Which is fine. That was but the yeah, only one I really This is like eeny, meeny, miny, mo, pick a symbiote. Here we go. And ends up picking, oh, you're good. And goes and gets it. Yeah, it goes through everyone looking for a kidney donor, basically. Yeah, really, just going through this deal. And it's, it's again, it takes a page space. Not that interesting. What's interesting no. is the idea that first off, Flash's guy, inside guy, he is sent to go pick up Riot, Mr. Riot. I mean, what, what, be a little more subtle, I, seriously. But with that, the big thing, Andy goes into the hive mind. She goes into the void. It's empty. She's there by herself. And she says, uh, nobody's here. Carnage, nobody. None of the life symbiotes, nothing. This is the hive mind where nobody is there. And she freaks out. Oh, my God, this stinks. It's gone. I can't do it. I can't do it. Seriously, this is almost like, wait, you're in prison, right? And yeah. they're, not, they're not treating you very well. Brandon, you're the bell of the ball Imagine in prison, that. right? You're there. <laughs> you wake up one morning and the prison's gone. You're just in a bed in the middle of a field. And you could just walk off. You're you're free. You're like, oh man, where's the prisons? I need the prison back. Well, like, they do she, feed you. Yeah, well, still go and you know get some freedom, <laughs> and they don't treat you. But you end up where you know she's <laughs> like, oh my god, I got to keep trying. No, 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 it's it's too much effort. You're bleeding. No, I got to try. I'm going to keep trying. I can't get a hold of anybody. Not even like. None of them, you don't like them all. I mean, they're there to, t- and Carnage, this is your out. This is your way to be yourself without anybody being able to tell or track you down. Seemingly, while you are going to go head off to Washington, D.C. to take on, there, there's nothing better in my mind. Maybe I'm missing something, but the idea that you're going to try to sneak up on Carnage, the best thing that could ever happen is he cannot tell where you are. Yeah, you yeah, can't no. tell. This is the also so, the, so here far. The Flash's garbage plan is actually perfect in in the the aspect your powers work just the way we need them to. And just imagine the idea where they're still playing with the idea. Oh my God, why is the senator acting weird? Eventually, they're going to connect that, right? But then they have legitimately an easy way. The senator has an itinerary. He's uh, a guy who's online. All yeah, you know, you'll right know where exactly where be. he is. So exactly. you don't need the, like, oh, my God, I can't tell where the carnage is. Turn on the news. Once you realize it's the center, you'll be there. And, again, the, the play I think that we're going to go, we don't have a lot of issues left, which is odd. No, three, but I think three. the play is going to be, by the end, is they're legitimately going to have to assassinate a senator where people aren't – how would they know it's carnage? Like, They'll be on the run. Yeah. And yeah. I think then you're going to have to assassinate a guy that you know is carnage, but nobody else does. You are saving the world here 
but nobody will ever know that you did, and you'll be wanted. You'll or be on the Flash's run. Or Flash's friend ends up taking him down. Yeah, you but know, somebody's some, going to have to do yeah. it, and nobody's going to know The that only hope really is on. Carnage comes flying out of there once that That's what you need. You need that, yeah. or all of a sudden he's going to be at a rally, and he's going to get all fired up and just end up showing out, hey, I'm Carnage, I'm going to eat you. But that's where, again, what we said, it's weird, too, because we are at a point where we've had way too many symbiote stuff, overdose, a symbiote. So then this seems the play is, okay, we'll do this extreme carnage. Get this. We're rarely really going to see carnage in the, re, you know, in normal. Yeah, you'll never really day. see him. You'll see him in the, the mind. mind. Yeah. And I think that that's their play of. That's why we can do this because it's not overdoing the, the no 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 you have carnage we need to see carnage and yeah. this subterfuge well, well, of I'm part of the humanity first deal it's not doing it for me that's how they've kept carnage alive basically since he's been thrown into space and destroyed by Hyperion so you know they're they're keeping that gravy train rolling it's just I don't know just put the dude in a body at this point and let let, let <laughs> You know, stop letting them travel in dead guys and everything else. Yeah, well, let's see Carnage, not the he senator behind the yeah, scenes. He's scarier the other way. He's more of a threat the other way. I don't. That's the one problem. Like, I do enjoy this series more than I thought I would. Yeah, but I, I am too. The, the problem for me still is, you know, the the threat is there, but it, it's not like big enough to the point you're like, ah, oh, well, you know, what's Carnage up to it? You kind of see what he's up to, and because it's tied to all this political stuff, you're just like, yeah, just get to the fight already, you know? It's just... Make humanity great again, and hey, we're... Yeah. I don't need that. And and again, yeah. it's the way they're going with the story, but that's the least interesting part, is to it keep is. going back to the senator, who every issue is like... He's doing oh, the same thing. Yeah, like, hey, I'm going to this fundraiser. Oh, I'm going yeah. to this fundraiser. Hey, I'm going to this oh, rally. I got this rich guy to give me money this Yeah, time, it's you know? just not interesting, the idea of, in the background, he's gathering up the life symbiote, you know, the life foundation symbiote, but to what end and whatnot. But you do end up having Andy. You know, that's the interesting part. I want to see what happens. And Andy and Flash, I like that team up. They have a connection already. And now you have this new symbiote can connect all that until the end. Like you said, there's a bit of a twist because at the end, you end up having her still trying, trying, trying. And all of a sudden, oh, my God, there's someone here and, and grabs Toxin. Yeah. And, and kind of like pulls Toxin out with her or she and like, hey, you called next Toxin. And I'm yeah, like, I, all I, right. I was wondering if he found them because Flash is with her. Like, but you know, is Flash connected? Um but other than that, yeah, I was a little confused because the whole setup prior to that was, yeah, I'm not, I see nothing, I'm not connected. And then she, it looks and like maybe, she's grabbing her own yeah, hair. Yeah, grabbing her hair, pulling, yeah. Uh, and what's weird you know, is, is like toxin. maybe, maybe it's one of those like toxin at this moment isn't under the influence as much. I, I don't know how the play yeah. is. Like they've, once they've Carnage kind of gets you in, with we'll the have rules, to see. So it is tough to. But even then at the end, you end up, hey, you called? And it looks like Flash's head got chopped off at the top. Like his eyebrows are higher mm. up than his hair at points there. It's very odd. It's it's kind of a it, it does have kind of a unique play of very like emotional play of but when you do have, say, when Mr. Riot comes down and yeah, yeah, and the, that stuff looks really good. And then yeah. when you end up I'll getting kind of go these back emotions and flick through the last few pages of each of these um because uh, each of these issues, because I don't even really remember the status of these 
individual symbiotes we've read about in each issue leading up to this. I forget. I know she's taken out at least one of them, right? Are the other ones all just yeah, hanging out Phage with Carnage? And, like, well, she attacked Phage and Lasher. And I think, but I don't think they've gotten it. They're just heading yeah, towards it places. Like, it's just, it's all a little fuzzy, like the whole plan and everything. So it's it's tough to follow in that regard. But I, I don't know. I still like. For I still some don't reason, mind it. I like Andy and Flash. Know, You're getting more of that. I can't I'm explain telling. why. I, Once I Steve Orlando it, hit, we liked it more, right? Yeah, and that shocked us. But yeah. you ended up where at the beginning it was like, you know, giving you a little carnage stuff, but it was more about each of the seven. Once we got Andy, and it's centered just on Andy and Flash, and the others are going to be involved and whatnot, but the story is, I've liked it more. And I, I yeah. don't. Because I think at the end, that's what it's going to serve. It's going to end up where they go off possibly to their own book. It was Flash has something coming out. Now I think Andy's going to join with them as these anti-Venom the, the deal. Yeah, I think that's really cool. Team. I think I that's too. really cool. And we like Andy. And, and again, this gets her away. You can't, this story, you do have it, but you can't have every story with Andy if you want to make her more of a character involve the Life Foundation symbiotes. We end up getting them pulled out every Three four months. I think six um, months we get a story, but Scream is actually in the upcoming movie. Yeah, so that's crazy too. Uh, Especially since she's now like a combo with the yeah, a different character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's very odd, very odd. But with all that, even with the wonky art, I'm still a seven out of ten. I I think it's you know it's still interesting. Me, the splash pages in the I, I think the art is it straddles that. That unique style of being wonky enough, but in in certain pages and and uh, you know ratios the the way he he draws things out, I enjoyed it in in more pages than I didn't like it. So and then the same thing kind of with the story, like yeah, there, there's that carnage stuff I don't enjoy a whole bunch, but there's enough other stuff in there. Yeah, that, that's my you point know I'm too. finding enjoyment because in it that is weird overall. I can latch onto. It's not progressing and over like the overall story of the center it's just there's not much to it so no, it's the same thing i, I am really going with the other stuff and i like the andy stuff and i want to see more of that and see what this means especially like you said uh, how did toxin end up finding or why was he there where were they all that yeah. stuff going on so we'll have to find out but that's that me and you we almost did non-stop spider-man but that book is complete garbage so we did yeah. do it which the podcast would have instead of being well my version instead of being 20 minutes would have been 25 because yes. there's, there's not much there's not to... much except bad <laughs> nazis bad you yes. told me so yes. with that you know we got it but i want you to read it and tell yes, me if i, I was will wrong yeah i've only i've only paged through it a bit i'll, I'll look at it but <laughs> with that i'm going to go off to a couple of things by myself so thanks brandon And uh, we'll talk to you uh, next week. All right. I'm going to start my section off with Black Widow number 10. And that is written by Kelly Thompson, pencils by Elena Casagrande and Rafael de la Tour, inks by Elizabeth D'Amico and Rafael de la Tour, colors by just Jordi Belair because Jordi Belair is awesome and can handle all of that, letters by VCs Corey Petit. Natasha Romanoff, a.k.a. the Black Widow, spent months believing she was an architect in San Francisco with a beautiful husband and perfect baby boy, her actual genetic son. Kind of like Mike Brady, but not with the perfect baby boy or, you know, because none of the boys in the Brady Bunch were, were quite perfect, right? Except maybe Peter. So his voice changed, and then they had to change the songs up to match that. It was crazy. When the dream dissolved, Natasha sent James and Stevie far away where not even she could find them again. They are alive, they are safe, and gone forever. 
I don't believe that still. If you keep bringing it up, you want to keep reminding, especially new readers, of, get oh, my, and now it sends them back to read that first arc, which I think was really good. I have a feeling that eventually it's going to come back as somebody finds out the info and goes to try to get them. Or I actually would like to just have an annual or something like that where part of it, half of it, I don't know, maybe all of it, that we actually get to see James and Stevie's life. Now, with that, I have a feeling you could also get. Now, if this book keeps continuing, how heartbreaking would it be if Natasha figures out that she can make it work with James and Stevie? I, I could do this. We can get that. Goes there, goes and looks in the window, and there's another woman there. They have moved on. Oh, my goodness. That would break my heart. But these, there are a lot of stories you could use. Still with James and Stevie. So I'm not counting them gone forever until that sort of recap stops being in the deal. Okay. Natasha invited Yelena Belova and Anya Corazon to help fight a mysterious new villain named Apogee, who is somehow distributing superpowers to his followers, the Oleo. With the help of two Oleo traders, the scientist Craig and the electrically powered Lucy, the widows made an antidote to Apogee's powers and infiltrated his HQ. Yeah, kind of. They're still making the antidote. That will be part of this issue. But Apogee just took a dose of his own medicine. The widows are now facing a desperate monster. Now, uh, this is part four of four. This ends this I am the Black Widow Apogee story for now. You'll see at the end, you know, Apogee gets away in a weird way, almost like a Joker-esque way, it seems. And it, it made me laugh, the idea that Natasha's like, well, I guess Apogee went away when she actually saw exactly where he should have fallen. But we'll talk about that in a little bit because you end up, I like this arc in, in the idea of overall thinking about what it is. The idea that Natasha is actually relying on Yelena, Anya, and even Lucy and Craig. And I like that. I like that we're getting this different cast of characters, things like that. But the overall story is pretty tense. It's paper thin. It really is. I don't know much about Apogee. Apogee's the big bad. What we know is, and it seems to be enough for Kelly Thompson to continue on the story here, is that he is injecting kids and making them super powered, but the powers burn them out and they end up dying in an awful you know, puddle of goo. So it almost feels like what you get with Apogee is Apogee walks out of a building. We see him. He kicks a dog and slaps a baby and then goes and we're like, oh, my God, that guy is bad. That guy's bad news. Don't have much more than that. And we're not really going to get much more of that here. You're going to end up having Craig, who gets the formula, really cool, and Lucy, who are back at the whole deal uh, in their headquarters. And they have to then go. You know, Craig makes the... It's funny, he makes the antidote. He's like, all right, I'm done with the antidote. I'm going to go to bed. Like, no, uh, you know, Black Widow, Yelena, Anya, they're kind of off fighting Apogee and the Oleo. We kind of have to take it to them. We need to also, these people who we were kind of a part of at one point, they're probably going to burn out and die. So let's get that antidote. And Craig, who really has, you know, pushed this through here, uh, it just says, if you inject it, All the powers go away instantly. Instantly, you're done. Boom. And he says to Lucy, before we go, let me inject it in you. Now, while he is getting everything ready and stuff, she has gone off into Black Widow's room and comes out with an outfit. She has kind of a super powered. 
almost like a Black Widow casual, I would say. Uh, it looks like at one point, at first, I thought they were moon boots she was wearing from back in the day. But, you know, like I said, superhero casual. She comes out, pop the collar. Cool. She comes out, and, hey, what do you think? He's like, oh, my God, it looks great. But, no, you can't do that. You can't use your powers. You can't. Let me inject the, the antidote here so that you don't die. And so that you don't go off, which I think you're going to do, and use your powers and then die. Because he, they, they like each other. They have a similar deal where Apogee had taken advantage of them, all that stuff. Now, Craig, a little different. He was getting paid a lot. But he ends up where she says, no, I, I can't. You know, I'm the only thing that's going to be able to save us if we do get into trouble with my powers. Almost like the idea, like, I'm willing to sacrifice myself to save more people, and then we'll deal with it. If I end up surviving all, everything goes well, we'll be fine. Because what Craig has done, he's making, he has a couple, you know, injection. He has a couple needle deal where he can inject the antidote. But a lot of it is a a gas that he has on this backpack that if they get into this building with Apogee and the Olio, he sets it off. It does a big gas bomb there and ends up everybody breathing it in is fine then. They they lose their powers, but they're not going to die. Also says that it's not toxic for anybody else in the room. So we, we go with that. We go off to. Apogee, the Olio. Apogee's obviously yelling, Olio, to me, my Olio, defend me. And and they are. These kids are going. Now, with that, you end up having Apogee, and he's really powering himself up. They're attacking Natasha, and all of a sudden, this one guy who goes to attack her just completely sets on fire and just lands. And it's just dust now, where everybody, including it seems Apogee, says, you know, why did you do that? Why did Black Widow just kill this kid? By burning him up. Well, we know she doesn't have powers like that. It, it, she's like, that wasn't me. I didn't do it. That's why we're here. The stuff that you and yelling to these kids. Listen, kids, this is what happens. This is what these powers. There's a cost to this. And the cost is a gruesome death. You got to stop. You got to stop this. He is using you. And they don't believe it. They're still attacking Apogee's trying to convince him. No, 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 it's not that, whatever. And then you get a bunch of pages. I mean, there is a lot of fight scenes in this. You end up seeing Elena. You end up seeing Anya, all of them going. And, and it's okay. Now, I said at the beginning that, you know, there is a cool team going on in this book. It is allowing Natasha to have a different team, a cool team. But they don't really do too much. Anya, especially, she's just flying around saying her quips and stuff like that. And then to make it a little even more crowded, all of a sudden you see, dum, 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 you see these arrows and Kate Bishop shows up. Seemingly that Black Widow got a hold of her. Hey, you, you showed up. Wouldn't miss it for the world. I love Kate Bishop. Now, I don't think Kate can last too long in this book because if you're not aware, she has her own solo book coming up in November where she's going to switch coasts. She's going to go to the better coast, the East Coast, right? Am I right there or what? Uh, so I don't think she'll be in here a lot, but I think that maybe it is Kelly Thompson, like one last time trying to get her into this book because she did write her in West Coast Avengers and things like that, seemingly loving Kate, which I do too. So it's cool that she shows up, but is it a little too crowded? Well, it's going to get even more crowded as we go on because Craig and Lucy show up. Craig is trying to, you know, get the antidote, get this mist to go up and and get everybody saved and says, I need protection. So they're going to protect him while he does that. And you end up then having Apogee. It's like Apogee, one thing he does know is when to skedaddle. And he's like, yeah, I can read the writing on the wall here. I'm out of here. And he runs off. Well, 
you end up having both Lucy and Natasha Black Widow see this and go after him. First, Black Widow. And they meet on this bridge. Now, at first, I didn't quite get the concept of what this bridge was, where it was. But it is a bridge that seems indoors and is over a bunch of chemical vats. I'm thinking the vats must be the chemical that is turning these kids into superpowered deals that Apogee's making. This is his building. So they're on, you know, this bridge over it and they're they're talking and you end up having Natasha, you know, start fighting Apogee, just kicking the crap at him. He's using his fire powers to, to try to burn her. She's avoiding that. And it's a really cool way that it's played out with the art. She ends up unmasking him, but... I thought this was going to be more of a reveal, more of something. He ends up just looking like a zombie Hercules, especially then when he gets more of his, you know, chemicals in these and, and eats them to even more pretty much Hulk out. I mean, he's humongous then. Well, while that's going on, Lucy comes from behind and, and saves Natasha. Natasha would have died. Uh, you end up where Lucy uses her electrical powers and shocks the crap out of apogee as he also gets injected by the antidote which then allow you know distracts him so that natasha then kicks him he crashes over the bridge and down below now later you end up having natasha yep look like apogee got away well he fell into one of the vats of chemicals it seems that would have made some sort of and she's right there she would have seen this i know that you might be able to hey you know I guess he drowned. I get no. She says at the end, "Hey, get away!" He was right there, but she's and she even looks. She looks at him, but she is distracted. But still, don't forget that he fell into that vat, and so you end up. She's distracted because Lucy's powers are now going insane. She can't stop them. She's burning up, you know. And this is one of the. It's a trope. It's a trope of comics, but the other. People who ended up having this happen and burn up, I mean, it, it was almost instantaneous. The, the fire one earlier starts running to Natasha, three steps done, dead. This extends it because of the idea that Lucy is a character that we have grown to like and is part of the book. Going to be part of the book more, but in a, in a forced way, in my mind, because she is, you know, going wonky. Her powers, they're burning her up. Oh my God, electrical. And it's her arms, mainly her arms are just completely just electric and you know boogie woogie woogie and you end up where oh my god i I can't do that so natasha she gives her the antidote she injects her with the antidote this should take away all the power no it just stabilizes them it's stable she keeps her powers it stabilizes them in a very forced way too in my mind you introduce lucy and you're like oh my god you know we could do some things with her oh no what do we do Either she has her powers, can't use them or dies. I mean, that's not a great character to have in a superhero book. Or we inject her and she doesn't have powers. You could go that route. Maybe she could do some other things and Natasha can train her. But they seemingly want her to be superpowered. So Kelly Thompson makes it so the antidote that cures everybody else, wipes their powers away, just stabilizes these. And if you're going to give me an explanation and say, well, it's when the powers get all crazy and wonky at the end and you're about to burn out if you inject it then it kind of sets you back to a set point that you still have them but it's still forced uh but all the other 
all the other kids, the Oleo, they are in that mist in that room and they end up losing their powers. They're not so happy about it. And I think that Kelly Thompson does a good job with this. It's not like, oh my God, thank you. Some of these people, they they would rather have the powers and wouldn't even care if they're going to die. They're going to burn out, not fade away, these people. And the one guy's like, yay. It's not your right to take them away, whatever. You know, and Lucy says, hey, stop it. Stop yelling at the Black Widows. And this guy goes, who are you to say? You got to keep your powers, jerk. And she's like, do you think that this is great? Who knows? You, you just had it for two seconds. Do you think this is great, me being an electric boogie woogie? It's not. It's terrible. But they don't care if this guy is, you know, giving his personal deal. He'd rather burn out than fade away. But that's that. And And with that. What do you do with these oleo? It's almost kind of a funny thing. Like you might feel responsible, maybe trying to figure out, you know, that you could help them. I, I don't know. I mean, I really don't know what you could do. But they just leave. They're like, ah, let's get. They leave a group of people <laughs> pissed off at them for you know half of these people, if not more, are going to be like, okay, I got this number. Hey, wrecking crew. Can, can I can I join you? Hey, is Hydra still around? Like you have now, it's like almost like a wholesale Batman making his own villains. You have made an entire group of people hate your guts and want to do something to hurt you to go off. Now, speaking of Batman, like I said earlier, yeah, Apogee fell into that vat. Natasha saw this. She saw the deal, and she's like, "Well, I guess Apogee's gone." He got away. Maybe we'll see him again, but we'll be ready because you have the hero walk at the end. You know, you have Kate on you. It's funny, too, because in this, you don't have Craig. Uh, You know, R.I.P. Craig. I guess he's not going to continue on. I don't know. I guess he doesn't have a heroic pose while he's walking around with his proton pack trying to say he ain't afraid of no ghosts. Yeah, you end up where it's Kate on you, Natasha, Elena, and Lucy doing the the walk down the thing all badass and stuff like that of course Anya she's you know happy as all get up and my favorite character of all them by the way but oh well I guess that but she's gone it's all about family now and then out of that back comes a crazy like you know Friday the 13th move where the hand comes up it would be great though if it was more of a T2 move hand comes up he gives the thumbs up and then just goes back down you did it, Apogee. But yeah, it's it's okay. But there's there's a couple forced things. The thing with Lucy is completely forced. But there's just some loose ends at the end that I don't think you just walk out in your badass hero walk while you know that Apogee, the big bad that you were after, who we barely knew. And that's one of my, again, one of my biggest complaints. We really didn't know anything about him. Now we see his hand come up so he can continue on sometime. But we'll see. We will see how it goes. But overall, saw some reviews for this, and I, I do love this book. I, I will push this book till the end of time, saying that people should, more people should read it. The sales are too low for how good this book is. The, the art is, Alana Casagrande's art is incredible. I love it. And I like the fun of it. I like Natasha being that better. And then you add Elena, who then makes, you know, Natasha not even as much of a bad. It's like she's got to pull back Elena all the time. She's going to kill everybody. And then you ended up having Anya come in. I thought that was cool. But I think Kate's there for a little. Lucy's here to stay, it seems. And, and that might be cool as well. Um, 
But I see reviews for this issue and they're like, you know, average score of a 9-4. I'm not that high on this because of the idea of how forced the ending was. And we end up a four-issue arc where I really didn't know anything about the villain except that he was, you know, injecting kids with this superhero deal. And we don't – I didn't even get the scope of how many kids, how many of these Olio. The one thing that you do have – because I was going to say I don't even know the kids either, so why should I care? Well – I think that Kelly Thompson did a clever thing for us to know Craig and Lucy to kind of be the surrogates for them all. Oh, look, there are some good kids. We find out at the end there were some bad ones. There's always going to be that. It's always going to be the mix in there. There's always, you know, a bad rotten apple in, in the whole bushel. But, yeah, overall, I'm I'm at a 7-8. I could go up to an 8 because of the art, but I just thought it was a forced ending. Still like it, though. That's not me being completely negative and not saying read it what i'm saying is if you're already reading it up to this point obviously read it and i think that you'll get an ending you might shake your head like me a little but it's good enough and then go on and anybody else listening who hasn't been reading the book please jump on it with the next issue check it out or go into if you have the marvel unlimited app read the first bunch of issues it's really good book so with that i'm gonna move on and the next book is Strange Academy number 12. It is written by Scott Young, art by Umberto Ramos, colors by Edgar Delgado, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. And when we get to the end of this issue, you know, I'm going to talk with the idea. I can't be the only one who has the idea that this is the end of the book. The book is going to be done. We do have a tie-in issue coming up in November. That's the next issue. First off, we have to wait a couple months till we get that. That will be the tie-in to the death of Doctor Strange deal. And then I think it's completely done. I think that is the last we'll see. Unless maybe they're setting up for a new writer or something like that. I don't know. I'll be real shocked if it continues. And I'll give you some of the stats of why I think that by the end, not just because it ends with all the kids hugging and it says the end by the end of this issue, but we'll talk about it. Here is the recap. Welcome to Strange Academy, where the best and brightest young sorcerers are trained by the greatest magic users in the realm, all of whom were gathered by the Sorcerer Supreme, Dr. Stephen Strange. Someone or something attacked Toth, shattering him into a million pieces. Though Dr. Voodoo, Queen Ablyther, and Zelma Stanton mostly reassembled Toth's crystals, the only hope to revive him is to find his missing heart shard. Luckily, Howard the Duck is on the case, though the investigation has hit a dead end. It's funny, they're like, luckily Howard the Duck is on the case, but he really didn't find out anything. He did, but didn't. You end up kind of Calvin revealing himself. Tensions are running high among Toast's friends. Calvin was shocked to discover the missing shard in his coat. In the ensuing commotion, Toast's true attacker revealed itself, Mr. Misery, and it possessed poor Calvin. And, And Mr. Misery, the Doctor Strange character that Doctor Strange created, he ended up getting all his despair and misery and put it into one big deal, making the Mr. Misery character, when it became sentient, locked him away a bunch of times to get all these things going on, where it then ended up posing kind of as that coat that Calvin wears and was able to feed off of the misery that Calvin has in an awful childhood so that he found a host. I mean, it's pretty much a symbiotic type deal here. And so the play here is, is that They not only have to stop Mr. Misery because of what he did to Toth, but also to get back the shard for Toth. But Calvin isn't innocent in this. Calvin, it's not Calvin who's done all this. Calvin's only problem here was he's just a sad kid. And this, you know, Mr. Misery 
took advantage of that, though Mr. Misery wants to play the game in this issue of, no, no, Calvin, we're partners. I love you. I'm the only one who paid attention. Calvin knows better, and so does everybody else. Now, remember, with all this, Shaylee is just beside herself because she's in love with Toth. But you have all the other kids who were accused going into this. They've been bickering and infighting and stuff like that to find out that it was Calvin, who a little tell even before you end up finding last issue, Howard the Duck found that pin that really pushed it towards Calvin as he found the shard in the coat. One of the other things is you, you saw Calvin was like really, really getting hungry and like almost like, hey, what are you eating for two? And all this stuff with that. Uh, but it's a big fight. I mean, Dr. Voodoo's trying to attack, you know, Mr. Misery. Howard the Duck is doing this. The kids are trying. But the big thing, again, is you can't hurt Calvin. And, and this is a horrific looking thing. We do get that background info, if you didn't know, that Dr. Strange was the thing that created this. But also how he ended up getting loose and then seeing Calvin and finding the perfect host because he's miserable. And not miserable just because he's miserable. He he has a pretty bad childhood here. And so he has kind of latched on to Calvin and was laying low. Was laying low because, you know, Mr. Misery's main goal was not kill Toth. Toth just ended up walking in to the room and seeing that and he had to kill him. His main goal is to just take down Dr. Strange, the creator. He doesn't want, he didn't ask to be created. Dr. Strange did this with all the misery. So as this is going on, you know, Shaylee freaks out, thinks that she's going to attack Calvin. That's a good way for Dr. Voodoo to come in and say, whoa, 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 no, Calvin's an innocent. We got to get this Mr. Misery away from him. And you do see that all of the kids are there. They're ready to fight. They are ready and willing, all that. And as they go, though, as individuals kind of, you end up having Mr. Misery kind of rip them apart, throw a lot of shade at them. You know, Rx like, you better let my friend go. And he's like, oh, here we go. The kid who nobody wants to hear but always has to keep talking, stuff like that. Just making and then feeding off the insecurities and the despair and the hurt that he then causes and sees in these kids. Now, it's no big feat to find out that teenagers are insecure or they're upset or the, you know, that sort of thing. But again, that it's ripe picking for Mr. Misery. So as they are trying to save Calvin, they're making him stronger. One of the bigger ones is Gus, the giant who I love Gus and Gus hasn't done much. And I think that Scotty Young plays off that too, because Gus is like, you're not going to hurt my friends in a big spread page. Looks great. And there's Mr. Misery to pretty much yell in, in her face. Oh, look at you. The mistake. The one that nobody cares about, you know, the trickster God's joke, the one nobody ever even wants to hear of and tries to use the frost breath, which does hurt Calvin, but doesn't hurt Mr. Misery overall. Uh, but at one point you start to get feels, especially for Calvin in this. And I, I'm glad that Scott Young does this because you can just sit there and think of like like you had Shaley think of. Calvin as the bad kid went. So let's see that he wants to get out of this. Let's see that he's hurting. And they show him as he's trying to break out of this. And he's like, I can't do this anymore. This hurts too much. And I just want it to end. And then you have Mr. Misery trying to pull in. No, buddy, we're in this together. I mean, man, I know how much pain you could take. You could take so much more than this. And, you know, he's a user, Mr. Misery. And so when all this, the mindful ones come in, Right, They come in and, and hit with the laser eyes, but that ends up fueling Mr. Misery more because of the deal that 
that they have their own despair and misery. He at least with that, I think the mindful ones kind of separate some of the kids, at least from this, not Calvin, but the others. And so what it all comes down to, though, is Desi, Desi, the demon girl. She just walks out, like walks right up to him. and She has a plan. She told him, listen. I think that what we need to do is not try to keep them away from the misery because we're not going to be able to do that. Despair and misery is ever. I think that what we need to do is give Mr. Misery more despair than he can handle so much that he'll just explode. And Desi's like, I can do this and walks up and says, oh, hey, by the way there, Mr. Misery, what up? You know, I, I think that you uh, don't realize what real despair is and, and what real misery and, yeah, Mr. Misery, what are you talking about? That's what I am. I'm the embodiment of it. I was made of it. And she's like, well, so was I. You know, I have I have a lot more than you. And, and I have it. It made me. It is me. It's mine to take, but it's also mine to give away. Goes full demon and ba-boom, hits it with just everything. You end up having Mr. Misery where it looks hurt right away. Like, yes, but excited, though. Because of the idea of all this and says, yes, I've never felt so much agony at once. Now, with that, these are the character moments that we've kind of not had tons of in this book. Because if you pull away the layers of this, you realize that this is what Desi lives with all the time. I know that she comes off as the goth or emo, you know, always walking around. But no, this is real, real agony that is her. and so. Even the mopey Desi that we had gotten all throughout is a complete gem because of what she could have been. And she ends up hitting, right? So with that, then, it's kind of a funny deal. Again, you go in with a bunch of teenagers and you're talking about agony and despair and insecurities and things like that. All of them step up and start hitting them with it. And it's pretty cool. My favorite is Dermamo yelling, you want years of daddy issues? Here you go. But boom. And you end up having all that. And it's Doyle, Dermamo's son. Uh, you end up where they're all hitting it. And that ends up hurting Mr. Mr. Misery enough. It, it gets too much. And he expels Calvin. Calvin kind of shoots out of him with the shard for Toth. And then just to take care of Mr. Misery once and for all, guess he goes and eats him. And you end up you know, chomp, 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 done. I wish she burped at the end. And then you have all the kids looking like, I'm not going to be able to unsee that, which is kind of funny. But what's left in the wake is is Calvin, who's crying. He's saying, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to hurt anybody. And then you end up going quickly to the end where Toth has been reassembled. It looks like Howard the Duck helped that, right? And it even says, hey, glad we can put Humpty Dumpty back together again. Man things there to thank him. Pretty cool deal. And everybody, Toth is out there And, you know, he doesn't say anything He's just there, everybody's going around Oh man, it's awesome, you're back, they did a great job Oh my god, but Calvin is off in in the back He's way off in the lawn there Sitting on a, like a, a log And he's sad I mean, he doesn't have powers I mean, that's one thing anymore His whole thing was that jacket And unfortunately it was Mr. Misery They say they're going to help him They're going to use some resources I hope they give him something Um, But you know, there's Toth and Shaylee, they're hugging, talking about, I'm glad you're back, whatever. And Toth looks over and sees Calvin by himself and walks over and ends up hugging Calvin. Calvin says, please, I'm sorry. And Toth just hugs him because he knows it wasn't him. He walked in when Toth ended up seeing Calvin. It, I'm sure that his first instinct was to try to help Calvin because of Mr. Misery. 
And Mr. Misery killed Toth. It wasn't Calvin's fault, and he realizes that. And, and I mean, there's just tons of tears coming out of Calvin's eyes. They're so happy and sad still. And, and it is some real feels. I got some real feels from this as well. And then you have Shaylee. Oh, my God, he's the best guy ever. This Toth, isn't he such a darling? And then they all run over and hug Calvin. And you even have Shaylee at the end. Come on, I think we all need to hug Calvin. He needs some hugs right now. And they go over. They're all hugging in a pose that looks like, you know, something at an end. And it says the end. Then it says next issue, number 13. And that, again, is November. But that is a tie-in to the death of Doctor Strange. Now, with that, this is why... I have the feeling that it's done, at least in this form, maybe. Because first off, Scott Young is going over to a sub-stack thing, but that's just for his I Hate Fairyland, but who knows? So that's going on. You end up having two volumes that you can look up. Now, volume one of Strange, that's already come out. In October, volume two is coming out, and it goes from, you know, issue seven to 12, this one. Now, if you look up a volume three, I could not find a hide or hair of it. And these volumes are announced pretty early on. In fact, if you're going to say to me, well, that's because the first issue of the thing didn't come out, whatever. It's funny because the death of Dr. Strange volumes are already, you know, you could pre-order them already. They're already announced, whatnot. And the next issue of Strange Academy, number 13 is in the Death of Doctor Strange Compendium, Volume 1. So that wouldn't even be part of the deal. So I don't know. I don't think that this... I think that the end is the end. We'll get that Death of Doctor Strange tie-in, and then the book's just going to go away. That, that's my thought process. That's what it seems, me looking it up. I don't know. Maybe something was announced or something like that, but I don't see anything out there. Now, with that, if it does get canceled... Or ends this way and, and whatnot Even if it goes on My biggest problem with this Again, this book is a 10 out of 10 in potential But it's also maybe an 8 out of 10 of unused potential I, I see reviews for this issue This is a nice issue Yeah, but, but as a finale or even as just a deal It's, I need more I need more of these kids And again, I, I keep saying it Like a broken record The idea, the best way to get every Kid involved with character Moments is to see them in the classroom Also we have some really Really cool teachers In this academy and we don't See them because you never show The classroom things you just Don't and hopefully This isn't the last issue because If it is I just I'm going to end up Thinking to myself you know a Year from now oh that was a real Nice you know series But man it could have been So much more and why didn't we, you know, take advantage of, of these characters more? And oh, it would have been so cool. So with that, though, I'm still an 8 out of 10 for this issue. Uh, I thought it was a good, you know, ending to the whole deal with, you know, who killed Toth. You end up seeing what this, you know, coat really was, all that. I Like I said, if it did go on, I hope that Calvin gets some reason to stay because I really did like him. But again, I don't know. A ton about every character And we're in 12 And just to point out I didn't even point out before The last issue of this came out in June The beginning of June Now we're at the end of August So it's a long delay even then Now the next issue seemingly comes out in November So yeah Things things are wacky 
But, you know, I'm looking and it's like, what do you really know much about, you know, Zoe? We're going to have Zoe next. We know some. Gus, Tov, Herman. I want more. I want to know these characters by now with, you know, what should be a year worth of story. It ended up extending because of these delays a bunch. But I just it, it just feels so much like unused and untapped potential, this whole book. Uh, but the concept is awesome. The concept and it's Harry Potter in the Marvel Universe. And I don't care if that seems like, oh, man, like that's a no, no, no. I'm right, I, I think I mentioned this before. But right now, again, I'll mention our manga podcast here where we end up talking about Mashal. Magic of Muscles, which is basically a Harry Potter, and I, I have a lot of fun with that, too. I don't mind taking a trope or a cliche if that trope and cliche is awesome and can lead to a lot of fun things. It's when people take tropes and things like that that are, are nonsense, and then I wonder, what are you doing? But yeah, 8 out of 10, I hope I'm wrong. I hope that it isn't canceled. Uh, but if it is, RIP, and, and I'll just keep looking back at it kind of with a, a bit of a, not a frown, but like, ah, it could have been so much more. But I'm going to go to the next book. Thor number 16 is next, written by Donnie Cates. Guest art by Michelle Bandini. Looks great. Guest inkers, Michelle Bandini and Elisabetta D'Amico. Colors by Matt Wilson, who's usually on the book. And letter and designer, designer, BC's Joe Sabino. I wonder if he makes like the designer jeans and stuff like the Gitanos or the Jordaches. I don't know. Thor is the god of thunder and all father of Asgard. Of late, he has had trouble with his hammer. That sounds like a personal problem. It also sounds like something that we keep dealing with. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Molnir. Sometimes it's too heavy for him to lift. And other times, people like his brother Loki are able to lift it, despite the fact that no one but Thor should be able to, kind of. Deciding Molnir's disobedience must be because he is now Asgard's king, and no longer its warrior, Thor leaves the unruly hammer in the only place he thinks safe, within Avengers Mountain. Like, nobody's going to target that, right? I mean, seriously? Holy moly. In the... Within the mountain, yeah, so that he can focus on being a better king. Which he kind of isn't. But but Molnir is not the only thing keeping the Allfather up at night. So what would keep him up at night? Dreams? Nope, nightmares. And it's the continuing nightmare that he saw in the Black Winter, of Thanos with what I'd call the Infinity Hammer with all the Infinity Stones in Mjolnir pretty much killing everyone including Thor himself by the end I I like one of the lines there where Thor is pretty much begging Thanos please we could do something about this let's not do it and Thanos says kings don't beg and ends up seemingly just demolishing him under his foot so you end up going now in the present to New York City so in Midgard it is where he's talking to Jane Foster about these dreams what should i do about them i'm worried i saw this vision in the black winter now i stay up at night and all this stuff jane's kind of confused first off the idea you know thor you usually don't talk out your problems like this so i understand you must really be concerned with it but if you're afraid that this could come true and thanos could possibly get the infinity stones embed them in the hammer and, and lift it in a time where Thor admits there's a lot of people who can lift the deal, including Loki. Why did you leave the hammer just sitting there in Avengers Mountain where anybody can come by and pick it up? Well, I guess Donny Cates doesn't need or want Thor to answer that question just yet because he's like, oh, my God, hot dogs and runs over hot dogs. It's like a shiny trinket, though. New York City hot dog cart, not anything that is that wowing. 
That's what makes it funny, though. He says, hey, hot dogs, and goes over and, and puts on this weird accent, which is kind of funny with a lot of yes. I mean, if you listen to last week's episode, this does remind me of kind of the over-the-top deal that Avro X has in the Christopher Cantwell Iron Man because he's Canadian. He goes, hey, well, this is fun because it's Thor trying to put on. So, But he keeps going, yeah? He's like, hey, man, how you doing? Good, good. Let me get four hot dogs, yeah? Hey, put some, uh, you know, mustard, relish, and sauerkraut on them and the Coke, too, yeah? <laughs> it's kind of doesn't sound New York at all. Like, there's no forget about it, right? There's no, hey, I'm walking here. You know, none of that. Right? But with that, that's the joke because Jane is watching Thor and it's just like, what the heck is he doing? Now, I do want to give a shout out to Michelle Bandini. I do love the lightning bolt earrings that Jane's wearing. Awesome. But she's like, what was that all about? He's like, oh, oh hot dogs. Did, did you want one? Because, of course, Thor's going to eat four of them. Now, I just saw something this week. Where it said that something along the lines like one hot dog takes 20 minutes off of your life. And then people immediately yelled out to Joey Chestnut, please tell us you're alive. Because that guy should have been dead like seven years ago then. Uh, But with that, we could talk about the idea of mustard, relish, and sauerkraut. To me, a very odd combination. You know, mustard, sauerkraut, yes. The relish, odd in there. I'm never going to throw shade. And any sort of hot dog condiments. I'm not because I get a lot of crap because I do like ketchup on my hot dogs occasionally. Uh, if, but if I'm going to have mustard, the only other thing I would have with mustard, maybe onions, but mostly sauerkraut, mustard, pretty good combo. Relish is an odd thing to add on to that with that deal. And if I'm going to add relish on, I might just, just go full out and, and just add everything in the cart. Onions, mustard, ketchup, all that stuff. But... Who knows? Also doesn't say spicy mustard, which I prefer with the sauerkraut, but that's just me again. He's stuffing his face. She's like, what was that? And he's like, well, what? Did you want one? And she's like, no, no. What was that, you know, crazy voice that you put on? Now, with this, this is a neat little back and forth between Thor and Jane, right? But this issue is such a quick issue to read. By the end... This is the stuff you're getting. There's not much going on in this issue. And so while I don't mind the idea of Thor trying to skirt the issue, eating hot dogs, talking with this crazy accent that he explains to Jane while he then has mustard all in his beard, disgusting, says, well, you know, I've kind of been around here. I was walking around New Amsterdam, you know, way back in the day. I am pretty much right now the the oldest living New Yorker. So that's my New York accent. And she's like, no, that sounded like Orange County. It's kind of funny. It's a funny deal. Well, you're going to get some action. But again, is this action big action for a Thor book, especially because Jane suddenly just, boom, Valkyrie and goes, suit up, let's go. He's like, but I don't have a suit. And, you know, they're going to go on the attack. It's the wrecking crew. Doing wrecking crew things Jane goes attacks There is a police officer Who ends up going thanks Thor And Jane's no it's Valkyrie Hey I appreciate the intel whatever But we're going to take down the wrecking crew Like we always do The song remains the same as Robert Plant sang While he was in Led Zeppelin And you end up where At this point though It's kind of a cool deal Where Wrecker throws his crowbar His crowbar that does return to him Like Molnir now and so what ends up happening, Jane 
uses that as a way of kind of a trash talk that takes a second to resolve because Wrecker ends up after getting punched in the face, goes, hey, do you know that that comes back? And she's like, yeah, I do. It's coming back with Thor. Thor caught it and now is using that and the momentum to go and just punch the crap out of Wrecker. All the rest of the guys in the Wrecking Crew, they run away. And then suddenly you end up getting the crows come down that are summoning. These are the Asgardian crows come down to summon Thor off to go see his mom. And it's kind of a funny thing where Jane is like, all right, well, I'm going to go get the ones in the Wrecking Crew. You're going to have to talk more about the stuff that you have problems with, with more people than and and just eating hot dogs on Midgard is not helping. New York City walk around tour is not going to help. And he's like, no, no, I'm not afraid. Because she's like, why are you afraid to talk to somebody about this? I'm not afraid of anything. And then the crows come. You've been summoned by your mother. He's like, oh, well, I am kind of afraid of that. But she's going to, you know, she's going to go off and uh, get the wrecking crew. And Thor's going to go to Asgard to talk to his mom. He owns up Sif. Let's go. Foom. Bye, Frost. Rainbow Bridge. They end up there in the singing forest of Vanaheim. Where he's like, mother, you hear mother, and does not sense her and says something's weird. Ends up coming into like a little glade. He says he smells mead. And and you know wherever then that's drunkard Odin, and it is where Odin's there, and he's just sitting by himself, almost like a campsite, drinking it up. And Thor immediately, like, you tricked me to come and talk to you by saying you were mother, and that's bull crap. That that's low. I told you I'd talk to you when I need to. Thor's like, I, you know, I don't know. I didn't do any of this, whatever. They end up getting attacked by this giant animal, and they fight it off. And then it's funny. Thor's like, are you happy? He's like, I've never been happier in my life. Odin seems to be enjoying this. And says, you know, stop your talking and get your hat. Where's your hammer? And then suddenly this beast just blows up, and you do get the cliffhanger where Freya has shown up with Angela. And says, your sister Angela and I would like a word. Now, saying that to both Odin and Thor, I think that Freya and Angela are going to pretty much say, stop your nonsense, you two. Father, son, all father, all that stuff. Stop it. Because both of you are worse for it right now. we got to get together. Something's wrong with the hammer. All these things all roll up into one. Come on. Get to terms and, and start doing things. Start doing things together. And, and you know, open up. And I think Angela's there to pretty much slap them together and say, especially Thor, you know, come on, snap out of it, buddy. Let's go. And hopefully Angela will continue on with the book. I almost caught there. On with the book with Thor as we figure some of these things out. But it says this arc to be concluded next issue. And this is a it's a real quick read. It really is. And I, I can't give it great marks. I think the art's really good. Michelle Bandini does a great job. But I mean. A little talk with, you know, Jane Foster, fight the Wrecking Crew, and then get summoned off to have a cliffhanger. You don't really even get any of the talk. It's, you know, hey, your mom wants you to go there, Angela. Pretty cool cliffhanger, but nothing much in between. Pretty pretty uh, thin issue here to set up next one with the conclusion of the Sark. So with that, I'm going to give it a 7.5. And now I'm going to move on to the last book of the show. All right, and I'm going to end with Spider-Man Life Story Annual number one, written by Chip Zdarsky, pencils by Mark Bagley, inks by Andrew Hennessy, colors by Matt Miller, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham in a story that's obviously a continuation of 
the Spider-Man life story by Chip Zdarsky. And it's a J. Jonah Jameson story here where he just goes through. And if you haven't read any of the life story stuff, it, it puts the characters in the real timeline that we, you know, regular life, they end up aging. Things that happen in the real world do end up happening in the books. So it, it's a cool concept. Right now you have the Mark Russell Fantastic Four going on. But I really did enjoy the Spider-Man one. And I like this a lot. I'm going to go through this pretty quick. We're going to get through this quickly. But I suggest that if you want a one-shot that shows J. Jonah Jameson and his obsession with Spider-Man and how this really would work in a real-life situation and how it would end up, you know, having dire consequences. Also, ramifications and the idea that J. Jonah has to come to terms with all of this stuff, even, you know, Spider-Man, but even more than that, how his obsession has affected everything. It's really good, and you don't even really need to know that much from the Spider-Man life story. But if you read Spider-Man life story, there's no reason not to read this. And if you did like it especially, which I think most people who read it did. Uh, So you end up having this big deal where, you know, in this world here, they're going through Jay Jonah. That that Spider-Man's a menace. He's a menace, right? Everything that he does. But remember, it's not just that. He also has done some real, real shady things. Now, with that one of the first deals was... Him pretty much making Mac Gargan into the Scorpion. And so you have that with Dr. Farley Stillwell comes and injects him, Jay Jonah, all that. And Farley gets killed. He gets killed in that skirmish where he tried to give him pretty much the antidote and try to stop Mac Gargan from being the Scorpion. But by then, the idea of the more powerful he becomes, the more insane he becomes. It, it was too late. He tried to do it even at one point, throwing the antidote at scorpion that wasn't going to do anything but in the ensuing fight and this happened in the comics obviously in the ensuing fight you had the scorpion end up you know killing where farley stillwell falls off and and falls to his death and so that's like death one pretty much on and and really are you saying death one on the head of jay jonah maybe two because matt gargan pretty much gets killed to become the scorpion i mean he's not quite what he was so Jay Jonah has done some bad things and it's going to come back to bite him in the butt because he does get arrested for this. He gets arrested for all the things connection with Matt Gargan and him himself feels responsible too for all the deaths that the Scorpion had done. But still at this point, it's all Spider-Man's fault in this problem. Everything, everything's Spider-Man's fault. Now, there are layers to this where you start as Jay Jonah. He's in jail for the big part of this issue. And he starts writing his memoirs. And it's basically the memoirs start out as J. Jonah Jameson hero. And here's the villain who I had to fight Spider-Man. Spider-Man did everything wrong. He's the worst. He made everybody's life miserable, things like that. Uh, But you do get little peeks into things. At one point, his son, John, comes astronaut slash werewolf. You see, he mentions that he just had a spacewalk and he doesn't feel right. He he doesn't like the full moons, he doesn't. But he ends up talking and says, luckily, Spider-Man saved me. This triggers J. Jonah. He's like, oh, that Spider-Man, he's a, you know, you're mocking me. He's doing this. He's not trying to save anybody. He's doing it to mock me, make me feel bad, whatever. And his son's like, no, 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 this obsession has ruined you. Spider-Man saved my life four years ago, and it sent you down this hole. And and you get this thing where Chip Zdarsky does, which is really, really good because if J. Jonah 
first off, is upset because he thinks that his son should be the world's greatest hero of what he's done, astronaut, all that. Why do they praise this menace in a mask? But it goes bigger than that is J. Jonah couldn't save his son, Spider-Man did, and J. Jonah couldn't save his wife who ended up being killed by a masked mugger. So it's more than just Spider-Man's a menace. When he ended up seeing Spider-Man and seeing that strength and things like that, it realized and made him feel less of a man, number one, but also the idea he didn't have the strength to save people, especially his wife. That's Spider-Man does, and this is jealousy, but more than that, it's an obsession, all this stuff. But his son basically says, you know, I, you got to stop this. It's ruined your life. He's in jail. If Jay Jonah didn't care about Spider-Man, he never would have been involved. Matt Gargan, all these things were always Jay Jonah and his obsession. And in this jail, as he's writing his memoirs, there's also other villains come and go, whatever. But he does seem to make friends with Norman Osborn, who Norman's in there. I mean, he's done some bad things. And he ends up saying to Jay Jonah, hey. Me and you are alike. We're the same. We're in, and Jay Jonah, yeah, well, I'm not crazy. And, yeah, and I like Norman. It's like, well, I'm working on that, yes. Uh, but we still are both obsessed with Spider Man. All of our problems wasn't Spider Man, it was our obsession with Spider Man. And yeah, they're going through therapy sessions. They're, they're doing this stuff in the jail. At one point, you end up having. Uh, him find out, Jay Jonah find out, oh my God, Spider-Man killed Peter Parker's wife. He tries to call, oh my God, with that. And in this, it's Gwen. This is the whole thing with this life story stuff. And yeah, he calls up. And again, he calls from the prison to talk to Peter about, oh my God, your wife died. But doesn't say like, I'm so sorry. It's that Spider-Man did it. I knew it. I'm going to get people on the outside. Like almost like he's a crime boss. And Peter says, listen, you can't call me like this. My wife's dead and you're still obsessed with this. Spider-Man obviously doesn't know that Spider-Man's Peter, but you know, Spider-Man's just a man. Just stop, stop and let it go. Jay Jonah won't let it go. Even then. And Peter hangs up on him and Jay Jonah's furious. Again, this goes decades, decades. We're in the nineties now. And there's an old Jay Jonah where Norman's getting released. And He's like, okay, yeah, I'm getting released. And you end up having Jay Jonah real quiet. And you end up having a, a Miss Connors who is the therapist. We find out later, and I'm just going to call her Gwen because she is the, the Gwen Stacy clone that ended up going off with Ben Riley in the life story deal. She has come back, her and Ben had split, and she says at the end, to Peter, she wanted to help the people that were affected by superheroes and things like that. But pretty much she's trying to convince all of them, you know, you were the ones. Don't be obsessed with, you know, Thor because he got you arrested. You know, it was your bad things. I'm trying to do it. Jay Jonah won't get it. Norman goes off seemingly like he has been rehabilitated. He's let out of prison. Jay Jonah kind of just still, it's Spider-Man's fault. He's yelling. They're like, no, no, no. It's your fault. And even says in some of the sessions, you open up a bit about the mugger, about your wife and stuff. And he, no, I'm getting out of here. He ends up leaving this meeting. Uh, pretty much the next thing that you end up finding out a couple years later, three years later, actually, 1995, Norman passed. He, he died. He gets free. He goes out. He was all excited at the point. I'm going to see my son and my grandson. This is going to be great. He goes out and he died. And what the therapist who is Gwen says she's upset because she thought she was doing something and Norman, especially that was her proof that it could be done. He was rehabilitated. He went out, but he ended up dying 
in a warehouse full of goblin stuff. He ended up, they found him dead from a heart attack, surrounded by goblin paraphernalia, all this stuff. And she said he just slid right back into that life. And what Jake Jonas says, and this is a really, really, like, it's a feels moment. It's a really good line where he's like, no, no, no. Sometimes when you get old, you just surround yourself with your past, good or bad, especially when you get older, because that's all you have. So there's, I mean, it could be that Norman, we don't know. It never really says. But Norman, he might occasionally just go there and sit there and look at the goblin stuff and maybe regret everything. Maybe sit there and just think of the things he had done, whatnot. But that's what he had. Especially, I think that Jay Jonah could go even a little farther. These guys have been in jail for decades. Really, all they had, you know, my memories are either jail or goblin. And he's just hanging out with it. But Norman ended up giving Jay Jonah a something in his will, a little letter. And finally, Jay Jonah does get out. 2001, he gets out of jail. He goes off. And the only thing he really has at this point is this thing, this letter that Jay Jonah left him. And it is an address. And he goes off to it. It's a, you know another like warehouse storage unit. And he opens it up. And in there is a giant mecha spider suit now it it is goblin color but it does have a big spider and then the thing is at first i thought of it as a goblin buster or a a spider buster suit with the motif of the goblin but then what happens and what i think because you know you ended up having jay jonah and norman seemingly hang out and become somewhat friends in jail and i think that at some point jay jonah must have said if i get out of here I want to go and rectify the situation and the way he thinks that should be is the scorpion needs to die. He's out and about. He's out there. If I get out of jail, I need to kill the scorpion for all that. Now, again, does this solve? It's an eye for an eye type of deal. But in in Norman and Jay Jonah deal, it, it seems like they're in, you know, the deal where maybe this would be the last thing that Jay Jonah needs to do. At least Jay Jonah thinks he's going to go off and take down scorpion he does he goes to fight him and he's in this big mecca you end up having the scorpion in his deal and they're talking back and forth and even that scorpion's like you think that i'm your sin like you're gonna get rid of me and that makes you good oh then seemingly has a heart attack and dies as jay jonah gets out of a suit and has a heart attack himself and falls over and dies and one of the ironic things is right before he looks over and they were fighting he didn't realize they were fighting on the daily bugle roof wrecking house like he always yelled that spider-man did but yeah he ends up dying and then you get the moment where not many people at the funeral you know there's peter he's kind of watching he's that shadowy figure that's watching from under the tree down the lane right he doesn't want to go again too but harry and all them and all that so he's just watching and then he runs into the therapist from the deal and recognizes her as Gwen. Oh, my God, it's Gwen. And it's, again, it is the clone Gwen, which is odd. And even she says it must be odd to see the clone of your now dead wife, right? And he's like, yeah, you know, I'm used to that stuff and everything's weird in this life. And what are you doing? Oh, me and Ben, we broke up. And now I was trying to, you know, kind of rehabilitate people and whatnot. And, you know, Jay Jonah he did come to grips with things by the end. I was working with him and Peter's like working how? And she's like at the prison, you know, we had all this stuff. Everybody's against the superheroes, all that. And I think that he came to grips with it by the end because he wrote 
his memoir. And you, you did get little narration from the memoir throughout. It seems as if by the end, Jay Jonah realized that, you know, his life was not the right life, that it wasn't. He shouldn't have been obsessed with Spider-Man. And Spider-Man wasn't the cause of all his problems because, you know, you have this book that she pulls out of a satchel. It says Webs, Untangling a Life, a memoir. J. Jonah Jameson on the cover. It's half Peter or half Spider-Man, half J. Jonah with webs all around and stuff like that. Uh, And you even have it where it's a cool deal because the Spider-Man part of it on the right side has the cool webs behind that you would normally see. But on the J. Jonah, it's like he's entangled in them and he even got himself into it. But Peter ends up looking at the book and reads in the back and it says a tale of misplaced obsession and responsibility. Well, webs delves into the mind of J. Jonah Jameson, a man who lost it all. But found himself and it's a nice ending where you end up knowing that i mean it's weird to say it's a nice ending because jake jonah gets out with the obsession to now kill scorpion but he does it right he doesn't i'm not going to say that that's a bad thing uh but they end up you know peter hugs gwen and they're going to separate and you end up where she's like well you should know you know he wanted spider-man to have that book too he wanted he wanted peter to have it like that was a big thing but he also wanted spider-man too and peter goes oh uh yeah i'm not spider-man anymore and then gwen says you know i know you a little too well peter parker you're as trapped in that web as jay jonah was and then you end up having her walk away and peter pulls the mask out of his coat and it's the end thin but it was really good it really is it's a really good look at that obsession of of jay jonah's and how it did drive him just to bad things and also just he could not accept the fact that you know things weren't always spider-man's fault and wanted to really put all of his problems on the spider-man because it is uh, it is easier to have a you know an enemy where you're then the victim you're always going to feel better about oh i couldn't do anything about that it was always spider-man i got it wasn't me it was spider-man and then finally by the end jay jonah was able to you know, kind of come to terms with that and kill Scorpion. So you have that. But with that, I'm going to go, and this is my book of the week. This is the book I think I enjoyed the most. I'm going to go 9 out of 10. Again, your score may vary if you did not read the Spider-Man Life Story. I still think that this is good. I'm telling you, I still think it's really good. So check it out. But that's it. That is it for the podcast. As I said at the beginning, Remember that next week's show is not going to be on the regular feed. It's a Patreon exclusive. But also remember, like I said, if you sign up on the 1st of September, any time after that, uh, you will not be charged right away. And if you do end up not liking what you hear, listen to a couple of things, eh, it's not for me. If you quit before October 1st, you'll never be charged. Free trial. So check it out. All the show notes have, you know, the addresses and stuff to click like. Go to the Twitter at WS Marvel Comics. Follow us. We'll follow you back. And then, like I said, patreon.com slash weird science. But thanks, everybody. I hope you like this quite, you know, longer podcast, whatnot, a bunch of books. Some other books obviously came out this week. Uh, and some of them are pretty good, whatnot, but we'll get to those eventually. Or, you know, we'll get to the number twos, threes, fours, whatever. But here, I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks. And I'll talk to you later.